Welcome back to Tom Talks Movies. This weekend I saw two films I hadn't seen before. The first was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's an independent French film, a love affair between two women in the 18th century. It came to my attention as the winner of the Best Screenplay Award at the Cannes Film Festival, but this weekend it got its wide release in the UK. I say wide as the correct terminology, however it didn't feel that wide. I had to travel to central London just to see it. The Curzon Cinema in Soho, it was very nice, I'm not going to claim it was a hardship going there. I'm just pointing out to you that you might need to travel to see it. And although this may sound strange, I actually went home, opened up Netflix and watched No Strings Attached kind of afterwards back to back. It's a 2011 Natalie Portman Hollywood rom-com. And I think watching the two films kind of back to back um, and two films that are so from different parts of the critical reception spectrum was something of an intentional move on my part to stop any kind of pretension seeping into my movie watching. Obviously, good and bad films exist. But the target audiences vary massively between them, and part of what I want to talk about today is how the two films present and depict kind of love, attraction, and relationships. Because I don't feel that either is totally unique in its approach. All films are stories told within the parameters and tropes of a genre, um, and even where it's a mix, the muddy barriers between them are still defining to the style. No Strings Attached then is about as typical rom-com as you could ever really see, playing into both the strengths and the weaknesses of the genre. For example, a lot of rom-coms um, open with a thesis, when Harry Met Sally asks, can women and men actually be friends? No Strings Attached also sort of leads with the question, it says, is it possible to regularly have sex with someone and not run a risk of falling in love? It, exactly the same as the Mila Kunis uh, Friends with Benefits film. Um, and besides the fact that a film asking the question was fresh and interesting in 1989 with when Harry met Sally um, I don't know if this question holds the same weight as things we've seen before because I don't know, I feel like the audience sees the answer as a little bit inevitable um, the film stars Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, he's a low rent TV producer and she's a medical student, the two engage in a friends with benefits type thing where they can't keep their hands off each other for 2011, this film's attempt at a minor gender stereotype subversion, where the guy is actually the one who's craving the relationship, isn't enough by itself to keep you interested. I actually found myself more interested, um, or at least as interested, in the B-plot of their friends getting together, played by Greta Gerwig and Jake Johnson. If this were a video podcast, I could flash up a nice little photo of Jake and you'd definitely recognise him, but he's that guy in the E4 TV show New Girl and he voiced Peter B. Parker in Into the Spider-Verse and I think he sort of popped up in Jurassic World and he's like a funny character, so um, definitely had more chops in this film than Ashton Kutcher. Um, the film was directed by Ivan Reitman, whose name is commonly attached to the original Ghostbuster movies, and while he's normally considered to be a comic genius, I wouldn't say this is his finest work. To be honest, I can't even recall one sort of laugh-out-loud moment. Um, the material wasn't that strong, and the actors certainly don't put in the effort to elevate it. Um, the film banks on you enjoying Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher on screen. They're objectively attractive people. Um, in contrast... A Portrait of a Lady on Fire has a much more introspective dive into the main character's relationship. How they fall in love is intertwined with what the audience understands of them as people. It pushes the boundaries of French filmmaking and queer representation where it patiently observes the unfolding of this sort of forbidden romance between the main character, painter Marianne, and her aristocratic subject, Eloise. Eloise is an unwitting bride-to-be about to be wedded to some Milanese nobleman in, a, in an arranged marriage. Marianne is an artist and for hire painter brought to Eloise's remote home to paint a dignified portrait of her to be sent to her future suitor, just as her, the character's mum had done many years ago as a premarital tradition.
The twist, or minor twist, is that Eloise is stubborn and uncooperative. She's kept in the dark about Marianne's task to try and counter her um, distaste for being being painted and instead is fed a story that the painter is only there to keep her company during kind of her visits out of the house's grounds her daily seaside walks meanwhile Marianne has to take in as much of Eloise's face and figure as possible uh, before translating what she can see onto the canvas this is where the sort of glances and uh, lingering looks start to start to happen this method only produces a less than ideal conventional and kind of square image of Eloise um, sort of at that revelation, um, the, the secret of her actual intentions comes out, and the ladies, it's not, it's not like tension there. They kind of they become more confident in each other's company, and so the second painting assumes much sort of more of Eloise's soulful likeness. In other words, the way that Marianne starts to see her. It's set against the minimalistic backdrop of cold Brittany at the end of the 18th century and this love affair is told to us almost entirely through seeking gestures and wistful glances and what makes it a little more interesting than just that I think it's also a careful meditation on the relationship between a painter and their subject. The cinematography of the film is worth mentioning because from the opening scene on the boat um, traveling across the sea it seems both in composition and colors that each shot is trying to reflect a painting the characters are often centre frame and the saturation seems so boosted that the hues of the blue sea and the oranges and the flames are so bright. The visuals have to be fun to keep you engaged amidst the absence of music. The film is super quiet except for about three uses um, uh, of music, including really sort of poignant and exhilarating finale. finale. I'm not going to pretend that like it was my sort of favourite thing I've seen of late. Um, sort of definitely a three out of five at best, in my opinion. Um, and I'm unlikely to find the time for a rewatch. And there was an unusual B plot where the housekeeper had an abortion, and to this moment I can't get my head around its relevance to the plot. It just, it, I don't know, seemed like time filler. Um, thankfully, what is more important to sort of their overall reception and what it meant to me was that both films managed to escape perpetuating the idea that a satisfying relationship means being completely consumed and obsessed with one another i'm going to throw some examples your way from modern cinema that where like i don't know in the notebook ryan gosling writes rachel, rachel mcadams a letter every single day for an entire year in fatal attraction glenn close attempts suicide just to keep michael douglas in her life bonnie and clyde celebrates lovers who literally killed for each other and romeo and juliet is the ultimate all-consuming passion story Hollywood films are commonly made for the masses and are usually easier to get something out of, but those feelings might be common and relatable to a sort of wide range of viewers. With independent films, it's more, and definitely the case with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, there's a chance that, there's a fair chance it's more like sort of Marmite. Uh, you'll kind of like it or you won't. If it works for you, the highs are excellent. I've, this critical claim, on, critical claim for this film online is enormous, but in my case, where it sort of just doesn't, don't find those characters that engaging, it's just okay. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.